Welcome back. This is part two of my interview with Dave DeVito. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. So, Dave, can we even talk about an ESC submission being so bad it's good or so bad it's bad? Is that a thing? Is there a such thing as uh, so bad it's bad? Yeah, I think there is so bad it's bad and so bad it's good. But I also would like to open your mind to the possibility of a third category, which is a combination Ooh. of the two things. So, so bad it's good, but it's so bad it's bad <laughs> at the same time. So, if, um, if you need an example, I have one for you. Um, oh, I do. But that, that, that just sounds like guilty pleasure. You know, yeah. That, that, yeah, fine. I don't know. I kind of, I, I felt a little bit, I, I don't want to say like dirty afterwards. I just kind of, it, it was more than a guilty pleasure, this one. But anyway, I don't know if you're familiar, uh, but there was one piece, this kind of, by the way, just as a little aside, this is what kind of limited my thinking because I originally wanted to go down the 80s with you, but then I found this edition of Eurovision a couple of years ago, the 2016 year, I think it was, and there was so much goodness and so much badness in that year that I just kind of kind of focused. And, and for me, the so bad it's good, so bad it's bad, and so bad it's good, it's good, and so bad it's bad kind of triplet winner is Sir Hart and the song is called <laughs> You mean I every know. Sir Hart submission that's every Sir Hart song ever recorded whether it's been to ESC or not really <laughs> yes, yes but in particular I didn't know I think is is the best example of this um, it's basically got the the triplet really he's, he's, Why, what he's are your what trinity. are your feelings about this th this song because I have Rewatched this song, and every time I see Serhat, I think I think he's not serious, and then I rewatch it, and I think he's deadly serious. Well, I mean, I kind of love Serhat in a way. I mean, he's a repeat offender at Eurovision. He's been there, kind of a couple of years in a row, or, or was there for a period of time. Yeah, yeah. I think he's been at least three times now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't keep my eyes off him, and I love him, um, but. Um, I don't want him giving me anything that's kind of run run of the mill or middle of the road. Um, he represents. Uh, so, so had always deliver, always delivers on that. Always on that. Yes. delivers. Never, never either of those things. Yeah. Where I, I mean, we're talking one hundred percent guarantee. I mean, he represented San Marino twice. Um, San Marino, I don't know if you, if all of your listeners know. I'm fully aware, of, yes, yes. Well, I know you know, but uh, it's this tiny kind of principality, right? And so I don't think, I, I think a lot of the times they've often looked for, uh, and I'm air quoting right now, talent from outside of their borders. And, <laughs> um, and that has been up until recently, until Italy realised that they could just kind of... Um, you send one of their own kind of talents over to San Marino, given they, you know, border free travel. Um, but Surround it, yeah, fine. All, yeah. all you need to know about Sir Hart is that I once saw like those kind of short intro bio videos about him, and he was working in a dental studio dressed as a dentist. And I think he is actually a dentist or a trained dentist, and somehow made the transition to stage, but 
not to sing. It's kind of like to do these kind of almost <laughs> spoken word performances. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a double threat is what yeah, you're saying. He's a not double a triple threat. threat. He's a double yeah. threat. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you watch the videos, like sometimes he's even got like a monocle on and sometimes it's attached. So I mean, this is, so he's also like a sartorial threat as well. And I mean, <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want the very best for him because like, I want him to win and it's people like him that make Eurovision so much more interesting to watch. But I mean, really the, um, that piece, good Lord, I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I do have, I have notes on this. Um, the, the song that you're, this, the specific Serhat, um, song in his oeuvre that you're, that you're discussing is I didn't know. So we're looking at 2016. I didn't know San Marino Serhat. Um, so the song was composed by two people that I'm guessing are Turkish and Greek. Um, and that makes sense because this song does not sound like it was written by an English speaker, which is, I, I think is part of the cringe factor here. Um, it just doesn't sound quite right. I don't know. Um, Serhat represented San Marino performing at the first semifinal with this song, but failed to qualify. I have visceral reactions to Serhat. And I remember Serhat acutely from Sing Na 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 because I have the same reaction to say Na 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 that I do to this song, which is, is he serious? Like, is he, is he, you know, like Victor Victoria where she's a woman pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman, and that's the funny part. I mean, like, is, is Serhat seriously? I mean, is, is, is this a serious act? And I think it is actually. This is definitely authentic, right? This hits the authentic, Serhat is authentically Serhat. Um, and I love, Oh yeah. but I think he's doing a thing and he's doing his thing specifically. And I think this song has made me reassess my idea to a certain, of a certain kind of masculinity. Because what I'm getting from this is like, what I'm getting from this is like 70s lounge. I'm getting like a lounge thing. I'm getting like a very furry, naked Burt Reynolds on a bearskin rug with like a neat scotch. I'm getting some like 1970s manhood from this that is just making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I love how the last bit of news I read about Burt Reynolds was that he got a facelift and if you've seen him, well, I've, I've just got two words for you. Baby smooth. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean Burt Reynolds, I, I, I did look this up because I had to look up the picture that I'm referencing, but um, yeah. he has passed on now. I was unaware that, that Burt Reynolds had died. But oh, um, Me too. But I mean, I love yeah, how Sir Hart kind of has got this kind of love boat meets fantasy island idea about him. <laughs> And he's got that resort <laughs> looked down. I mean, he's got that taste. resort looked down pat. And I mean, I'm someone that irons their shirts, but they never come out looking as good as his shirts do. So you know, hats, <laughs> hats, and monocles off to Sir Hart for sure. I mean, I'm getting a lot of like lounge secondhand smoke from from like some ladies smoking some Virginia Slims and just like bar smoke i don't know but um do you know the song that mina the, it, the italian singer mina song called parole parole oh yeah of course yeah 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 
with the yeah, with it, the voiceover, right? Which sounds kind of almost like she's being she's on the receiving end of some pillow talk. That's the one, right? See now, I you say pillow talk. It took me until I was this many years old before I thought about it as pillow talk. I literally for this whole time thought so this song Parole Parole has been re re-recorded by Celine Dion in French and also it's been recorded in Spanish. It's like pretty much a classic throughout all of the Latin speaking countries, um, Latin language speaking countries. And if you haven't heard it, it's like a dude and he's saying things like, I love you, I want to be with you forever. You have beautiful eyes. And it's just the woman kind of exhausted going, you know, words, those are just words, blah, blah, blah. And um, whatever language it's sung in, it's amazing because seeing the sort of the female being super put out and kind of um, addressing that kind of thing, I didn't know it was pillow talk. I didn't know that that guy was ever supposed to be attractive. I thought he was like a pickup artist in a bar, like, hey, can I take you home? And she's like, hey, like, yeah, I've seen you. I've seen a million versions of you. No. But no, I think I that's what I'd been thinking about Sir Hat this whole time. But I think Sir Hat is genuinely intended to be sexy, Dave. Yeah, but you know, you know what's missing from Sir Hat? I mean, okay, great. Really happy he did a song with Martha Walsh, right? And thank God Marsha Walsh is finally getting some credits to her vocals because, you know, she's the actual voice behind CNC Music Factory <laughs> and Black Box. And the travesty being that this is the one song that she actually put her name to. Terrible, uh, terrible. Is it, but um, is that a travesty, though? Is I, it a travesty? It is a bit of a travesty. But I want to say that um, I feel like Martha Walsh should have taken the kind of Mina position in that song because basically Mina did this wonderful thing in that in Parole Parole where she basically is just saying men are ridiculous. That's just the bottom line. You know, it was kind of almost like a feminist statement for the time and for sure um, for sure that's a little right. bit of an anthem that song yeah. absolutely totally and the one i don't know the name of it but there's i don't know if you've heard it but there's this song that she sings i think it was almost like a renato zero song at one time as well and it's about kind of like putting your husband or your lover on a boat and kind of like killing them that was for me also like a real <laughs> feminist moment that i started to respect you know in a different way but anyway we won't go into that one. That will be that that will be be on our next episode. The next time we meet up, I will have that prepared. However, I think that's a lot of Mina is a little bit like that, like quietly. She's like a quiet member of the resistance. She resistance. Yeah. She's like a silent killer or something. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe by the end of her career, she was just like, look, it's. I've been singing for twenty years. Just put him on a boat and just. Salem right into the middle of the Adriatic. Yeah, she was probably thinking um, about her son, her producer at that point. So yeah, totally. Uh, um, so I hope that Sir Hat comes back. I, I San Marino always turns in, you know, performances a bit like that. Like, are they so bad they're bad? Are they so bad they're good? You probably remember uh, Achille Lauro from this year, who a lot of people liked. I wasn't a big fan. For the reason that it didn't seem authentic to me, it seemed like a little bit like um, an algorithm, an algorithm spit him out. Yeah, I mean, he's taking on the, the mantle, let's say, of Italy's new kind of glam rock star. I kind of, he's kind of ushered in the whole kind of maniskin movement. But I, the one thing I will say about him um, 
is that at least he presented a different form of masculinity for San Marino this year. I mean, yes. you know, at least we got an alternative. The opposite, the opposite, yeah. the polar yeah. opposite of Serhat masculinity is Achille Lauro's mas- ma- masculinity, right? The preferable one, but uh, I would like to see Achille Lauro with a monocle. We've got our second entry here, which is Sergei Lazarev. You are the one. Um, yeah. Why did you... This has nothing in common with Serhat. Nothing at all. Okay, this is another confession moment, so I don't want you getting angry with me, okay? But it's kind of so bad it's good, this one. And really, Sergei for me is is Eurovision royalty. Alongside Man, Mans Zermelo, for me, he's kind of like right on up there. And I love that he's kind of the Russian Ricky Martin. I know we're not supposed to be talking about Russia given the situation we find ourselves in. Um, but that song, aside from being kind of a real earworm, um, was one of the best staged songs I've ever seen at Eurovision. It was quite a feat, I must say. Really? Just, yeah, I mean, I think with this, with just a bit of green screen, uh, a bit of good timing with the choreography, it was just an amazing performance to watch live. I think it was, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, note about Russia. Um, as we record, uh, Putin has signed a law that bans public figures from using the words war or invasion uh, to describe what Russia calls a special, t- special military operation. The penalty is up to 15 years in jail. Um, Sergei Lazarev um, has broken that. Uh, Manisha, from, who is a Tajik uh, immigrant to Russia, ditto. And uh, Little Big is, is also living outside of Russia for their due to their opposition to the war. More on this on Wee Wee Blogs. If you want to to read more on this, Wee Wee Blogs is the place to go. However, yeah, I, I've never thought about Sergei Lazarev as being Russia's Ricky Martin. I don't um, think he has he either, semi- so don't worry. <laughs> um, you know, semi-final, he came in first. In the final, he came in third. The song is described as being having a driving dance pop rhythm. I think dance pop might be one of my least favorite genres. But, so that's just down to me, really. But I mean, anything that gives you a chorus with or a bridge with thunder and lighting, lightning, it's getting exciting. I mean, amazing. Is that not very similar to Queen's thunder and lightning? Very, very frightening. Yeah, but I mean, it's all about yeah. the presentation and the performance. I mean, in this case here, I think Sergei, Sergei went back to Eurovision again, uh, I think two or three years later as well. And I think he, he's still someone that's got some life in him. I think audiences will, if we ever culturally will accept, re- accept Russia back into the fold, I think Sergei really does have a following uh, across Europe especially in that kind of Eurovision context. And I, and I think one thing that he does, the quality of the, or the slightly inferior quality of his songs aside, he really knows how to do a lot with very little on a stage and, and get the audiences yes. involved. And so for me, that's why I've, I've kind of put this one forward as a so bad it's good kind of performance. 
I saw this, I looked on my favorite streaming site and I actually saw this in its video version and I did not remember it. And I, and it was weird because I was like, I remember seeing every act at this Eurovision, don't remember this. And then when I saw the real staged version, I remembered it very well. He's, yeah, he's got the green screen. He puts one arm up. There's a lot of black and white. So he gets one wing on one arm and then he, you know, puts it down, puts the other arm up. He gets another wing and, you know, he's flying. I think most memorably, there are these blocks that he walks up. So sort of like Stefania from Greece did a few years ago. So he's interacting with this green screen in a way that's um, interesting. And then he's got a falling into space thing that happens as he kind of leans on one of the one of the. It is very dramatic. It's very dramatic. It's a little bit Phantom of the Opera, but it's very dramatic. I think it is, but I think it's also um, it, it marks kind of a little bit of a shift in terms of the, let's say, the performative aspect of Eurovision. You know, I think that show in Stockholm in particular was a little bit of a leap into technology and seeing how the artists were relating to technology that year was really interesting to see. Next we have, If Love Was a Crime, Bulgaria, Poly Genova, 2016. And If Love Was a Crime, I don't have to hear anything else. I feel like I can see the staging maybe, I could make up some staging, I could make up some lyrics, I could get a melody just I could sell this as a Eurovision theme and I haven't even I haven't even gotten into the rest right I don't even have to see it I'm like it's a, it's a finalist it's amazing. why do you like this song it's great uh Polly I think again a lot of what appeals to me when I'm watching a Eurovision performer is whether or not personality is coming through right for me that's really important to do because you know I have to kind of suspend my belief with a lot of the music a lot of the times, right? Polly, uh, yeah. Polly has a lovely way of presenting herself. Like uh, Sergei, I don't think she has the most spectacular voice. Neither of them really have voices that would typically appeal to a Eurovision crowd. Uh, but that said, the song was a really fresh take on kind of mainstream pop. Um, this, the performance was lovely in its simplicity. It's mostly, if I remember well, it's mostly just her on the stage until perhaps the last chorus or, or, or the last verse or so. And there's this kind of lovely dialectic where it's kind of a song that kind of feels like it's snapping like a rubber band. It's moving forward and backwards and, and um, she's kind of moving in and out of Bulgarian and English with the, in the chorus of the song as well. It's just... Uh, Real earworm. Polly Genova was internally selected. Um, so I normally think about those as worse contestants, but um, not in this case. She got fourth place in the final 2016, with this song becoming the highest placing in the contest for Bulgaria. Yeah, go Polly. Um, well done. Well done. I, know. I wonder what she's doing right now. That's like... I don't know. Once you do that at Eurovision, you kind of drop a mic and leave, don't you? I think there was a there was a brief time, I think, where she, and I, I don't know if this is my imagination or if it was something that I remember seeing or whatever, but I think that at, at one stage there was, before COVID, there was like this Eurovision for kids kind of performance or whatever, and I think she was the host of the night. So I think she's kind is of... That, is that called Junior Eurovision Day? Could be, yeah. And uh, <laughs> okay. I think she's kind of... She's in with the Eurovision crowd, if you get my drift. She's set for life, I think. 
As she should be. As she should yeah. be. Well earned. Yeah. Uh, this song has also been performed by Greek singer Demi in Greek under the title Life Imprisonment Together. How beautiful. So that's a winner for me. If any. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I wonder if it was the same um, guy that wrote the Serhat song as well. How fabulous. That would be great. If if Serhat sung a song called Life Imprisonment Together in his raspy <laughs> lounge voice, I would be even slightly more scared. I might I might prepare myself with my pepper spray. Yeah, it's on my keychain. I might just reach right down. I might just reach right down, nod politely, take two steps back, and not buy that album. Bradley, Serhat's not like that. He's a smooth operator. It depends if he's wearing his monocle, his strap monocle at, at the time. But yeah, okay. Uh, Polly Geneva, she's got it all. The outfit is great. There's a lot of references to crime in the outfits. She's got some like strappy trousers. She got some leather, some black, some silver. It's got a lot of movement, notwithstanding the fact that it does seem to be leather. I'm impressed. It's like a skirt, it's trousers, there's a cape. Uh, this is... Her dancing is very incredible. She's got like a little, a little bit of a Charleston knees thing going. Um, yeah, I like an act with a lot of movement. This has got this. I would want to experience this song in a group. Where, where are you listening to this song right now, uh, Dave? Is me? it is it like getting 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 breakfast or uh, you know commuting into work? Because for me, I want to experience this in a group with some glow sticks while hopping up and down. I do it privately and sometimes if if I've been denied access to Spotify, I just pop it on my phone at that particular time of the day. So moving down the line of it's so bad, it's good or it's so good, it's good is Demi Im, I, like I'm hoping that's the way you pronounce her name, and The Sound of Silence, which uh, must have been in a seminal year for you, 2016, because it was the entrance of Australia. Yeah, this is the first Australian entrant. Why do you love this song? Um, well, first of all, I have a really soft spot for Dami. I think she's, uh, she's a real sweetheart. Dami is kind of a, an alumni of the kind of X Factor TV shows that they do in Australia. But her backstory is really interesting because she was uh, a piano teacher coming through the ranks. Oh. And she grew up in a house where the only form of popular music, or the closest she got to listening to popular music was listening to the odd Carpenters song. She wasn't aware of the existence of people like let's say Prince or the major superstars. So she basically, when she eventually broke through it, it was without all of that baggage, she was just piano teacher who also happened to have a pretty phenomenal voice and um and so this entry here the sound of silence was pretty spectacular um performance at eurovision i think because it surprised a lot of people because dummy is about two feet tall she's tiny 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 yes and yet she has probably one of the biggest voices in the contest and perhaps in in not in just her year but perhaps in other years as well i think she um she really has a, a really surprising and commanding voice so for me this is again another title where i 
probably wouldn't be thinking, um, you know, it's not the kind of song that I would be looking for and I, I, I wouldn't be going out of my way to listen to. But a couple of different contributing factors. She's, she's adorable. Mm. I mean, she's got her own following in Australia and they are called the Dami Army. And basically... Um, <laughs> It doesn't rhyme in American. It only um, it rhymes. Yeah, fine. Yeah. So I yeah. remember. Um, I remember on the night of the telecast, they, uh, the cameras cut to her because she was very clearly in a kind of, you know, in a in a two way race for the top spot. At certain times she was leading, and at certain times she was in second position. And so, you know, one of those super cool presenters asked her, you know, how are you celebrating? And she turns around and and. You know, with not a not even a hint of irony, she turns around and she's like, "I'm sipping on my lemonade, which is my favorite drink, and I'm just enjoying the atmosphere." You know, so she was just really lovely, lovable kind of person, and then just so naturally gifted and so naturally talented. So, um, it was it was lovely to see her representing Australia there. Absolutely. This song finished second, receiving a total of 511 points. This falls under the arena pop uh, category, which I was unaware is a category. Makes sense. Uh, it reached the top 40 in more than six countries after the, the Eurovision final. I think that it is vocally perfect. If my country had sent this, I would have been totally happy. It's got a little bit of a searching melody, which I like. The only thing I would say is that she is a very small woman in a voluminous dress on a sparkly box. The eight-year-old version of me wants to have her like in a music box and open it up and see her twirl around. I feel like she doesn't get a lot of chances for movement. And I think it must be difficult to sing while seated. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. I, I felt like she was a little bit trapped in her outfit and on her staging. I agree. I, I also felt a little bit sorry for her dry cleaner because I have a feeling that when she got up, that dress was just going to be in tatters or, uh, you know, ripped to, to all shreds. The winner this year was Jamala with 1944. Ukraine withdrew in 2015 uh, due to financial and political reasons related to the war that was that existed at that time and still does. But it's hard. It would be hard to beat Jamala, I think. I think Dami, Dami was unlucky this year, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there were, if I remember correctly, there was also a lot of controversy about Jamala's song. I mean, Jamala, again, is an, another one of these artists with a huge following, especially in, in Eastern Europe. But in the context of Eurovision, she's widely considered, you know, someone that's right up there. Um, the controversy that I understood uh, related to the song, because I, I think, and perhaps you know better than I do, I, I, I don't recall, but I think there was there were aspects about uh, the crisis in Crimea and the history in the Ukraine as well. And so generally... Yeah, you, yeah. Eurovision the, songs are not supposed not to be supposed political. Not supposed to be political, yeah. So I think some audiences were like, uh-oh. Uh, but I mean, second spot... Dami, well done, amazing, first time in, in performing in Europe and you get that kind of showcase to that kind of platform to, to communicate to the world, that was a wonderful opportunity for her. 
Absolutely. And if you only listened to the carpenters at a, as a young person, I feel that might actually prepare you for your vision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I feel that's not actually a strike against your... Yeah, I mean, yeah. as long as you haven't got a creepy brother that, you know, insists on being your accompanist, like, you know, as long as that's not the case, like it was in the Carpenters, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. I get that from her voice. I get how clean it is. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that this is only my second favorite Australian entry. I'm sorry, Donnie. My heart belongs to Zero Gravity. And oh. I don't care how many years pass, you put an opera singer on a pole with a song about postpartum depression, and I am just there. Hello, like eight days I a mean, week, Kate Miller Heidke. Hello, amazing. Um, I mean, she's how amazing is Kate Miller Heidke, by the way? I think, yeah, the wonderful for me. I mean, the wonderful thing about everything, in addition to everything you've just said, right? This, the the nature of the song, the stilts, the opera the operatic voice. I mean the wonderful thing about Kate Miller Heidke representing Australia is she she bucked the trend because Australia, although it's kind of like a guest country in in the competition, still runs a public vote. Pub, the public submits its votes based on the finalists that uh, a committee puts uh, decides on. And generally, the public has been tending towards, you know, alumni of the X Factor or the voice programs or whatever. And Kate went through this process at a completely different stage of her career. You know, she started out as an opera singer and then in the mid-2000s started working as a solo artist, sometimes kind of dabbling in pop, some kind, sometimes dabbling in music that was a little bit more adult contemporary or a little bit more indie. Um, and then of course, Zero Gravity, which was, I think, has, is one of the most interesting pieces, just shows that she's not somebody that you can very easily categorize. She's not interested in what's going on in the mainstream, not interested, you know, in trends or whatever. She seems to be in a category all of her own. And that's, in my view, in part because of her, obviously her natural talent, but it's also the fact that she's been allowed to kind of develop as an artist and have a point of view and and have a different perspective. And I think that is also what helped separate her from a lot of the other contestants this year. You know, it's a, it was a, an amazing performance. So Dave, sadly, our time has run out, and I completely did not expect to talk about Zero Gravity. Um, so I hope you will come back. Will you come back? Oh, if you'll have me, I'll be delighted to come back. Thank you, for sure. Please come back. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, thank you, Dave. And some plugs to close out. There is a Eurovision event at the British Film Institute in London on Saturday, October 22nd. You can check out their website to see more details about that. It looks like it's going to be a great event, or you can check out our show notes page. The last plug I've got regards members of our team. As I mentioned last episode, there are three of us participating in this project, two of whom are located in eastern Ukraine. 
Our audio editor, Max, is located in Kyiv. He has an amazing resume. He was a video editor on Dancing with the Stars, The Voice, and the charity telethon Save Ukraine, which I really remember and loved. He also worked on a charity telethon called You Are Not Alone. His favorite ESC artists are Sam Ryder, Daddy Froyer, and an old indie rock band from Estonia called Rufus. So he works on this project. If you like the audio editing and you have any projects that you'd like to send along his way, he can be found at its underscore prosha at fiverr.com. Um, or you can join our Patreon. So whatever funds come into Patreon get split amongst Max and our other team member, Marina. And um, I mention it, I won't mention it every episode, but it is October in Ukraine, getting colder. And um, I think it would be great if we had um, some Patreon support. That's it for Eurovision Song Context for the moment. We release an episode on the 12th of every month. The Doozith, if you will. You can find us on the podcast app of your choice. You can find show notes in the description of this episode and on our website at eurovisionsongcontext.fireside.fm. I'm also on Twitter at ESCContext if anyone wants to say hello. Our Patreon is Eurovision Song Context, where we also offer additional content for patrons. (laughs) 